Welcome, Jill and Alexa. I'm excited to dig into this report, Moving from Words to Action, the Influence of Racial Justice Statements on Campus Equity Efforts. So this is a deep dive into the uh, racial justice statements that were made by campuses in 2020, really looking at key findings from those statements, looking at the kinds of follow-up actions and changes that followed the statements. Uh, let's get started. So I think this is a really important uh, report given, given the work done literally by all of our, our, our associations, organizations, colleges and universities literally around the world. Uh, what was the inspiration for this research? Sure, so thanks for having us and giving us spotlight, spotlight on some of this. Um, so what we saw was that there was a flurry of public statements made by college and university presidents following the murder of George Floyd, um, and Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery shortly before him. And while making those uh, statements on racial justice uh, is not a new practice, the widespread response that we saw uh, by students and other communities last year paired with uh, the backdrop of a global pandemic disproportionately affecting black and brown communities really seemed to present a new context in which to better understand the decision-making process behind making those meaningful statements and ways institutions may uh, or may not be following up those commitments with action. Yeah, I might just add to to Alexa's um, comments. That I, I thought it was really interesting to see, uh, especially how higher education specifically responded to the events of May 2020, given that institutions have a history of this issuing statements um, during times of national crisis. So it's not the first time that institutions have weighed in on this subject. But I think it's important to note that this time around, I think part of what our research found is that many students, faculty, and staff now really see these statements as the first step in a process rather than the only thing that institutions should be doing. Um, so these stakeholders are saying to campus leadership that they appreciate that they recognize the problem, but that they also want campus leaders to recognize how those institutions are part of the same problem, um, especially with regard to systemic racism and that those campus leaders have the power to address it. So for me, that was an interesting reason why we dug in on this project. So part of the inspiration is just recognizing statements only go so far. Absolutely. And we all think in paragraphs, so statements are easy. It's the work that follows that is the hard part. Well, what would you say are some of the top findings that, that you'd highlight most of all from this report? Uh, so I can start by giving a little review of the methodology for context, and then I'll turn it over to Jill to dive more into that. Um, so we first conducted a content analysis of statements from 230 institutions, and we took the perspective that there is not necessarily a perfect formula for how to make a statement, but that there are certain elements that can make a statement seem stronger than others. So we incorporated some of these elements into our analysis to see how frequently uh, they came up. And some of those uh, elements included whether statements explicitly named George Floyd uh, or the issue of institutional racism, uh, whether they uh, not only expressed solidarity, but whether they also articulated and communicated plans for actions um, that the institution was going to take. So we uh, built upon these findings to inform another, uh, a national survey that in partnership with National Association of Diversity Officers, to gather both uh, vice presidents for student affairs and chief diversity officer perspectives about statement making and the timing uh, and action and range of actions that uh, have been taken. And I might just add to that, you know, part of the, the findings that we had, we were really careful to, and this is, um, I think, entirely due to uh, Alexa's insight, but that we were, we were really careful to ask about action statements that followed or action efforts that followed the statements that institutions issued. But we asked about the timing of them because we didn't want to come in and do a survey and say, oh, you know, everything that you're working on with regard to racial justice on your campus must 
be as a result of the murder of George Floyd in May 2020. Institutions have long been working on racial justice efforts. And so we wanted to recognize that some of the things that we asked about and the 45 different action items that we asked institutions to assess whether they were tackling or not were in response to the in, the incidents and national crisis you know, that, that followed the murder of George Floyd in May 2020 or whether or not they were sort of ongoing and then also we we realized that you know the our survey came out in May of 2021 a lot of these things may not have been completed yet so we wanted to give respondents to the survey an opportunity to say yeah we started this but it's not done yet because some of the the work that we're talking about right is not sort of a one and done kind of thing it involves lots of um, long term assessment and work by multiple stakeholders on campus so I think you know some of the findings that we found really interesting were that most efforts prior to May 2020 um, that institutions were involved with involved education and training for students and faculty and staff. New, new initiatives um, related to DEI and hiring additional staff for DEI offices were things that were sort of shorter term. So they happened between May 2020, so the murder of George Floyd and the statements that were issued and when we did the survey analysis. And then some of the things that survey respondents indicated were underway, but not yet completed were longer term things like looking at curriculum changes, um, increasing the diversity of BIPOC faculty and staff, as well as campus leadership. So some of the things that we asked about were things like how diverse, you know, or are you trying to diversify your senior leadership on campus or your board of regents in addition to faculty and staff? And so those are some of the things that indicate that survey respondents indicated were underway, if not yet complete by the time they answered the survey. You know, I, I remember during the height of some of this, I had a conversation with a university president about a statement because we were working on a statement and they were working on a statement. And uh, one of the conversations we had is, when do you not do a statement? You know, sadly, and the and the reality and the urgency around all this is there have been multiple outrages following the initial one with George Floyd at my old hometown that you've mentioned. So do you do a statement every time there's um, an additional incident? It becomes a really interesting challenge. When do you not do a statement? I think for us, the reason that we saw so many institutions issuing statements is the rapid fire succession of the atrocities that we were seeing, right? And so one of the things that we assessed for in um, looking at and doing a content analysis of all those statements is, did they mention George Floyd, but also did they mention Ahmaud Arbery? Did they mention Breonna Taylor? And so I think it was sort of the, there wasn't even time to take a breath between, you know, all of the, the murders of these Black people specifically. But so I think it was sort of a snowball effect, I think, for many institutions to say, what is happening almost weekly around us and is now is, is you know, an important time to say something. Yeah, that's, that's right. I think I would just add that that's a good question. I think you can, institutions can proactively plan and at least try to maybe lay out some criteria of when we will or will not make a statement, which of course needs to be flexible, but I think having something to refer back to, to, to really justify whether a statement is made or not. And then really, if you are going to make one, are you able to back up your commitments and express values with those actions. And I think that's a big part of what this research is really looking at too. Was there anything in the research that surprised you? Yeah, I think one thing that I was really expecting or maybe even hoping to see is that institutions had more clear action steps laid out in their statements. And unfortunately, we found that very few of those initial statements uh, really did include those plans. So uh, this also aligned with our survey analysis when we asked about what the primary goals were the institutions had when they were deciding whether to issue a statement, and only 23% of those uh, cited uh, articulating a plan as that 
primary goal. However, when we asked about whether they made follow-up statements of those who did make a follow-up statement, they cited spelling out that action as the primary goal. So it kind of speaks to the timing of it. Maybe if you're issuing a statement really quickly um, and with a greater sense of urgency, you just want to really just communicate solidarity. But then in a follow-up statement, that's when you have a more clearly outlined plan. Around the, the time that we were getting ready to publish this, there was another report that came out that was highlighted in Inside Higher Ed that was talking about how students perceived their institutions in response to the murder of George Floyd. And they had very different interpretations of action steps that the institution was taking. And so I think for me, I was surprised to find the actual like broad range of different action items that institutions are undertaking in response to their statement that they issued. And in order to address racial justice gaps in their at their institution. So we assessed in the survey, as I mentioned, for 45 different action items. And I was impressed and surprised by both the, the breadth and also the depth of different initiatives that they were undertaking. I also think it's really heartening. One of the findings that we had, we assessed for within each of those action statements, who's responsible for implementing them. And so I think it's really easy for institutions to say, oh, we've got a task force or oh, we've got a working group or oh, we have a DEI office. And so then it becomes the, you know, the responsibility of a singular person or a singular office to undertake a lot of these types of um, efforts that we were assessing for. And what we found was actually that there were faculty that were in charge of certain initiatives and there are DEI offices that are in charge of certain initiatives, campus leadership were, ta were tackling other initiatives. So it really became an indication of a culture shift that institutions I think are attempting to make in terms of it's everyone's responsibility to be addressing some of these um, concerns around racial equity. And so I think that was both surprising, but also a really heartening finding that um, we came up with as a result of the survey. Many of our institutions made statements that was months ago. Um, what do you think? Are our campuses following up uh, when it comes to addressing uh, racial equity gaps on their campuses? I would say, having followed, you know, a lot of um, campus racial justice unrest, you know, I, I think back to what, what happened at Mizzou in 2015, that I think previously institutions were heavily reliant on statements and that sort of being the one and only thing they did, you know, like, hey, we'll say that we're in solidarity with or we understand the struggle of, and then there wasn't a lot of follow up. So I think for me, you know, I don't think institutions are there yet. I don't know where the there is, to be honest, but I think that they're they're working towards making inroads in a lot of these concern areas. I think they're doing a better job of listening to students and faculty and staff of color, especially around what they'd like to see. Um, and so I think they are making good inroads. And as I mentioned, I think the idea that for so many of our respondents to the survey, these efforts are the responsibility of a broad range of stakeholders on campus to me says that they're moving in the right direction. So I, do I think that they're doing Perfect. No. Um, do I think they've solved, you know, racial justice on campus? No. But I think that, you know, in terms of looking at culture shift and, uh, you know, the ways that that transformation happens, that, that, that they're working in that right direction. I would definitely echo that point and also share that even though we saw that institutions have been making more uh, resource investments uh, in terms of making change, that there are still really uh, big challenges in place for implementing those efforts. Um, and one of those is related to establishing a common understanding at a campus about how systems of oppression and racism show up um, in higher education and really identifying where those short-term and long-term efforts to mitigate those effects um, should be made. So survey responses also suggested that um, challenges here um, and in place were related to the sheer pace of change, that this can be really overwhelming and exhausting um, for campus administrators, and that ultimately, 
Um, even though, despite this, the 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 intended impact um, of change to advance racial equity and to create these affirming environments for students is really worth it. Um, but more can always be done. As someone who has worked to draft a statement, I know how valuable this research is and will be for those writing statements. But what about for staff who are simply looking for advice on how to talk to other staff about these issues? Uh, can the research be useful for that as well? Yes, I think this report can absolutely help that. I think we are pretty clear in the content analysis that we did around what makes statements um, more or less powerful. And so, you know, again, I think there are some institutions that are wary of, you know, either seeming too political or not wanting to say the wrong thing. And so they got, they went down a road of using very generic language. Um, you know, so they would say things like, you know, we stand with people of color. And then what we would hear is that they got pushback from their their students and faculty and staff saying, but what you really mean is, is black people, right? Like that's what we're talking about in terms of the murder of George Floyd. So being specific in what you're saying, I also think that, you know, nobody can predict what the next crisis is going to be that you're going to need to issue a statement on. But as Alexa mentioned earlier, I think having a plan for when you issue a statement and when maybe something doesn't rise to the level of issuing a statement is important. But also knowing why you want to issue a statement is, I think, really integral. Like, are you really just trying to stand in solidarity or are you saying, you know, we want to hold ourselves accountable to making some sort of change as a, an institution or an organization? And then finally, I, I think including some voices from those who you are addressing. I don't I wouldn't want to be, a, you know, an organization leader or a campus administrator feeling like I could issue a statement that would resonate with people if I haven't checked in with those folks, you know, and that for me would, you know, if I was on a campus would be students, you know, if they are the intended audience or staff members, if they're your intended audience, and particularly students and staff members of color, and not just when there's a crisis point, right, but sort of all along around, hey, you know, how is this impacting the community? What, you know, what can we be doing? How would this resonate if we said something like this? Um, and so I think having those folks and those voices around the table can help you make more authentic statements and um, really sort of hone in on what it is that you're attempting to say. And, you know, again, having a solid action plan if that's part of why you're issuing a statement. Um, and I would just emphasize, Jill, your point about including student voices too. This is, seems like a really big opportunity area that we heard from the research about uh, the need to include students more in the decision-making processes and also being really transparent with them about what has or hasn't been done um, and the target timeline for when a campus community can expect to see progress on those promises. Um, even if you look back at student uh, activist group demands from uh, the Black Lives Matter movement in the, from, that were made in 2015, um, many of those issues discussed are the some of the same ones that are still being talked about today. So the need to, there's like a need to create some more um, lasting reporting mechanisms about uh, and continuous feedback loops about um, uh, what progress is being made and what uh, implementation, implementation challenges are still in place there and to really just meaningfully engage and, and include students in those processes. Um, and that could just be a really valuable next step for institutions that may not already have those mechanisms in place. Well, I can't help but ask, is there a best statement or and we love all of our institutions, of course, but is there one statement that really jumped out to you as as remarkably good? I'm going to be quick to say no, um, only because I think one of the other things that we 
pretty consistently hear from folks who ask us questions about this report is, you know, what are best practices? And I think that's so dependent on context, right? Whether you're in an organization or an institution, um, you know, we found differences even in terms of which institutions issued or had more specific language. And sometimes it was very highly correlated with what their percentage of white students on, on campus is, right? And so I think uh, it, it's really important to know where you where you stand in order to make really effective statements. And for some people, um, they were like, you know, if I'm an administrator, what should I say? It depends on what your identity is and what your experience has been and, you know, how you engage regularly with students. Because if you don't have a, a presence on campus and then suddenly you think you're going to relate to students, um, they're going to read right through that. And so I think, um, you know, I, I could say that I would find a best statement, but it would it would absolutely be context specific on how that leader relates to the to their stakeholders, uh, how frequently they're communicating with them, how authentic their statement felt, and um, and I, I think that it really is very context specific in this term in in this case in terms of institutions. So the most effective statement is the one that works on that <laughs> in that mm -hmm. campus on that campus. Yeah. Were there any statements without saying who that struck you as remarkably <laughs> less great? <laughs> Like you might, you, you might well have not done a statement if that was what you got. <laughs> I think what we heard from news reports were that there were some really well-intentioned white leaders who expressed really um, significant outrage and then got pushback after issuing a statement because they thought, okay, this is, you know, performative white outrage and you're not actually saying that you're going to do anything. So you can be outraged all day, but what we want is for you to take accountability and talk about how you as an individual are going to do the work that is required um, to become you know, <laughs> more aware of these issues and how your positional authority allows you to address them. So, so those are some of the ones that I think we heard fell flat. Again, some people are like, is it better to say something from a personal standpoint? Not necessarily. <laughs> um, and so, and again, I think those who said really vague things, I think came off as inauthentic oftentimes, rather than specifically saying we're talking about anti-Black racism, uh, you know, in our country at this moment. And I think those were the ones that probably resonated more clearly with students rather than standing in solidarity with, you know, and, and the sort of more flowery, vague language. Yeah, I think that's something that we try to look at by, by coding for different elements that were sorted along a strength continuum. So those who maybe were a level one statement um, could include things like solidarity, uh, respect for all, that, that kind of narrative. But then an even stronger statement would be one, to Jill's point, that really um, explicitly names institutional racism and impact on Black Americans, um, talks about how the institution is going to be taking accountability for its own role in perpetuating um, those systems. And I think just even though we didn't see a lot of it, I think those that did lay out action plans were were more impressive. Are you already planning more research where you'll actually one year later go back and look at statements and follow up to see what action was actually taken? We absolutely want to continue this. I think it would be really beneficial for us to look and at another year out to see which of those institutions that we had surveyed previously, and again, not that we'll necessarily get the same respondents for that one, but um, to see, you know, across the the landscape, you know, who has now completed curriculum reviews or some of the things that in the first iteration of the survey were indicated as being in progress. Are those now done or are those sort of, you know, again, much, much longer term um, efforts that institutions have to undertake or do they just sort of fall off after a certain amount of time? Like the, you know, the, the pressure to get things done and be able to hold themselves accountable won't be there. Um, I think we'd also really like to understand what students think about some of these action steps and whether or not they're aware that institutions are taking these action steps and how 
how effectively institutions are communicating changes that are being made uh, since May of 2020 or even previous to that? Uh, how, how are those being articulated to students? Because I think institutions don't do a great job of that. And that was, again, one of the opportunity areas that we identified in the report was, you know, how do you, yes, you say you're going to do a thing in the statement and then you make the task force and you have all these people doing all this work, but do you notify students when those curriculum reviews are done? Are you letting them know that you've hired X number of, you know, BIPOC faculty or staff or change the leadership in a substantive way in terms of representation. And I think that institutions are not really great about doing that. So I think we'd like to assess for what student perceptions are of racial justice efforts on campus. So if you're not writing statements, but you care about this issue, why should I look at this report? I think for me, if I, I come from working at three different institutions um, over 14 years prior to coming to NASA, I would be interested in looking at this report especially at the 45 different action steps that institutions are taking. Because if I am, you know, your average staff person or faculty person, I would want to know what other institutions are doing so that I could take that list and ask my leadership what they're doing. And so even if my institution didn't issue a statement after May 2020, I would use that as sort of a, um, a template to say, look at all the ways that other institutions are moving forward with racial justice efforts. What is my institution doing? And how do I, as a staff member or a faculty member, really push my leadership to articulate what it is that they're doing around racial justice and, and moving the needle forward uh, for our own institution and holding ourselves accountable? So I think I would take this as sort of a roadmap. Um, and again, not that these are the only 45 actions that institutions could take, but for me, I would, I would think that it's valuable to a range of stakeholders, students, faculty, or staff, alumni, um, you know, at any institution to say, I, I want to know, I, I'm going to hold my leadership accountable for, for asking them what, we're, what, what they are working on and how I can be a part of it. For those who want to read the report, where can they download it? Sure, they can visit our NASPA website at naspa.org, and it should be under our publications and resources tab. Thank you. That's a, that's a lot. I can't wait to, I, I looked at the executive summary, but I'm looking forward to digging into the full report. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to join us today. Mm -hmm.